Yo, what is good, everyone, and welcome back to the Mayo Media Network. My name's Griffin Swanson, and I'm here to break down the Thursday night football game between the New York Giants and the Washington football team. We're going to kick it off with a couple of prize picks that I like for this game. We're going to dive into that DraftKings showdown slate right after that. But before we do that, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button to the Mayo Media Network channel. Pat and his team at the Mayo Media Network got football content coming out all week long, Monday through Sunday, all season long as well. And you don't want to miss out on any of that. For you podcast people, head on over to the Apple Pods. You can find all of the content there. Leave a five-star review while you're at it. But all right, everyone, let's dive into this Thursday night game here, kicking it off with a couple of prize picks. So we're over on the prizepicks.com website here now. Like I said, I got two different picks that I like for this Thursday night game. If you have not signed up for prizepicks.com yet and you want to do so, make sure you use code MMN upon sign up for up to a $100 match deposit. Folks, it is completely free money. As soon as you put your deposit in, prize picks will match that. You don't have to put 100 bucks in. You want to put in 50, they'll match that. You want to put in 20, they'll match that as well. Again, just make sure you use code MMN upon sign up to get that match deposit. Now, like I said, I'm looking at two different picks here that I like for this Thursday night slate. First one is going to be a rushing yard prop, and you can see here there's a number of different props that we can choose from, number of different sports as well you can see they have those Sunday props out here too but the first one I'm really looking at for Thursday then is going to be Antonio Gibson's rushing prop 68 and a half yards I'm going to take the over on that we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick the quarterback for the Washington football team go down with a hip injury last week it's going to be out for about six to eight weeks and they're going to want to lean on Antonio Gibson here going forward he had 20 carries last week had five targets as well obviously the targets don't impact his rushing prop but just good to see him getting involved in all aspects of this offense. He had 20 carries last week for 90 yards against a much tougher defense, in my opinion, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Now they get the Giants here, who should be a softer matchup. Your only concern would be that they stack the box on Gibson here, making Heineke throw the ball. But even then, I think this prop is just a little bit too low. Looking on two different projection sites here right now, one has them at 86 yards for this Thursday, the other one at 77. So both clear above this 68 and a half yard rushing prop I like that taking the over there wouldn't be surprised if he touches the ball another 20 plus times in this game on Thursday night and then the other prop that I like there is going to be a receiving prop so let's pop on over to that and that's going to be Kenny Galladay here taking the over at 49 and a half receiving yards that seems a bit too low to me as well I know he's new to this offense but did see six targets in week one reeled in four catches for 64 yards and three of those catches came in the second half for 46 seven receiving yards so maybe a bit of rust there in the first half between him and Daniel Jones uh, but started to build a little chemistry there in the second half hoping they can build on that here for Thursday night this is a guy who can make contested catches catch the deep ball and should be able to beat these Washington football cornerbacks so again I like the over here looking at two different projection sites one has them at 57 yards the other at 64 so both of those coming in at the over like I said I like the over there for both of these picks here then and you can approach just two different different ways the flex play or the power play if you go the power play route you will need both picks to hit but it does increase the payout again use code MMN upon sign up for up to a $100 match deposit it is completely free money again as soon as you put your money in prize picks will match that so if you do that here for Thursday night you're essentially playing with house money but all right folks that's the two picks that I like here 
let's dive into this spreadsheet next now for those of you who are new to these spreadsheet videos here first and foremost listing out those Vegas odds here in the top left hand corner you can see the Washington football team right now sitting as a home favorite with a minus 165 money line and the Giants coming in there at plus 145 and then we got an over under here of 40 and a half certainly doesn't look like this one is going to turn into a shootout directly below that listing out some showdown stats from 2020 as well I'll go through these pretty quickly here uh, but certainly feel free to take a screenshot of these and save them on your end so the first one that we got there then uh, see these are showdown stats from the top one percent lineups Number one, 92% of all showdown lineups rostered at least one quarterback, and 96% of those top 1% lineups did as well. Number two, 33% of all lineups rostered a wide receiver at captain, and 31.4% of the top 1% lineups did the same. This leads all positions when it comes to captain production. Number three, there, 57% of the top 1% of lineups rostered a captain from the team favored to win. So in this example here, the Washington football team. Number four, run it back in a post quarterback wide receiver or tight end was included in 88.9 percent of winning lineups that rostered a quarterback wide receiver or tight end from the other team at captain number five ignore defense and kickers in the captain spot this very rarely works only 1.1 percent of the time in the top one percent lineups and number six there don't play more than two kickers or defenses in the same lineup usually one is fine with a low scoring over under here you could probably get away with two maybe the kickers maybe a defense I do like the Washington football team defense in this matchup here uh, but certainly don't want to get too carried away with that either all right now we're gonna dive into my favorite plays here for this slate kicking it off with the captains again always listing out a captain from both sides of this game starting with the Washington football team there Antonio Gibson talked about him as a prize pick here today and I mentioned I'm expecting the football team to lean on him in this game the opportunity should definitely be there it was there in week one had 20 carries and five targets 25 touches total is really what you're looking for I expect him to get that in this matchup as well it might even see a few more targets or a few more rushing attempts as well really depends how the game script goes but ultimately should be involved to say the least had 90 rushing yards last week just 10 yards shy of hitting that three-point DraftKings bonus and again I think he should be able to do something like that here in this matchup I do think it's a softer defense that he's playing against compared to what he saw on Sunday against the Chargers Ultimately, it comes down to opportunity and volume here, and I would not be shocked if Antonio Gibson leads the entire slate from running backs and wide receivers with opportunity, which is why I like him in the captain spot here for Thursday night for the Washington football team. And then on the Giants side of things there, I'm going to roll with Kenny Galladay. Again, the prize pick that I mentioned here for Thursday night. So the two captains that I like are also the prize picks that I like for the Thursday night game. I love the upside that he has. You know, I mentioned it during the prize pick segment as well. He really started to build a little chemistry in the second half with Daniel Jones in that game against the Broncos had three catches for 47 yards in the second half and at 64 yards total he's got good touchdown upside was making contested catches in that game against the Broncos and that's what he's been notorious for since he's entered the league so really good to see him doing that I know he kind of missed a lot of time last year with that hip injury uh, but seems good to go here for this year so I really like to see that again those contested catches showed me that Kenny Galladay is kind of getting back to his game and I'm hoping we can get him at lower ownership at least from these Giants wide receivers uh, I think a lot of people are going to resort to Sterling Shepard after what he did on Sunday
Sunday. You can see him there listed as a flex play, and I certainly don't mind him as a captain play either. Led the team with nine targets, seven catches, 113 receiving yards, and a touchdown. 27 DraftKings points is really nice, but there's no reason that Kenny Galladay can't do the same. I know the over-under here is only at 40.5 points, but for wide receivers, uh, it doesn't take much for them to kind of break the slate. They don't even need to score a touchdown. If they get 10 catches, over 100 receiving yards, they're sitting pretty nice. That's a pretty good statistic line. I don't know if Kenny Galladay is going to be able to get there, uh, but the ceiling score for Galladay is certainly around 30 DraftKings points. Now, moving on down here to the flex play, he's going to kick it off there with Daniel Jones. I think you can put him in the captain spot as well, especially considering the rushing upside that he does have. We saw it a number of times last year uh, when he wasn't stumbling on his way to the end zone, but he did have six attempts for 27 yards in week one as well. Did score a rushing touchdown. And on top of that, he does have a number of weapons here that he can throw to. Just talked about Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard there, Darius Slayton got involved in week one. I believe he had seven targets. And then you have the tight end there, Kyle Rudolph. I don't know how much Saquon Barkley is going to get involved this week. Look, he's obviously talented, right? We all know that. But it comes down to the opportunity again. Maybe he only needs 10 touches in this game to have a successful night. We know that he can take one to the house from 50 plus yards out. I just don't know if I'm there quite yet, especially in this matchup here against the Washington football team, who does have a really solid defense, especially that defensive line. So I think they're going to be able to create pressure on Daniel Jones all night. And so I'm not there for Saquon quite yet. I uh, wish I could be. By all means, you might be able to get him at lower ownership, but just know he might not touch the ball more than 10 to 15 times, and that might be enough for him, like I said, but as you can see listed below, I do have Devontae Booker, who I want to talk about. A complete punt play, the backup for Saquon, uh, but he did run 14 routes last week on 45 of Daniel Jones' dropbacks. So going back to Daniel Jones here, can put him in the captain spot. He's got a number of weapons that he can throw to, and the rushing upside is definitely there as as well. And then we got Sterling Shepard there who I just name dropped. Certainly don't mind him in the captain spot for the Giants either. I do prefer Kenny Galladay and think we can get Galladay at lower ownership. Based off of the way that Shepard played in week one against the Broncos, he did lead the Giants in targets, receptions, 113 receiving yards, and scored a touchdown as well. That resulted in 27.3 DraftKings points. So the upside is definitely there with him, especially if he's going to continue to see that amount of targets game in and game out. Now, you can't guarantee 9-10 targets per game, uh, but good to see that here in week one. Probably has the most chemistry with Daniel Jones of all those Giants wide receivers. So that's definitely something to go off of. And if you wanted to, you could stack them up with Daniel Jones, and you could even run a little double stack out there as well with him, Kenny Galladay, and Daniel Jones. Like I said, a number of different options that you can go with this Giants team, but I kind of like the pass catchers in this matchup against the Washington football team. And then we have a run of picks here from the Washington side, starting with tight end there, Logan. Logan Thomas. Definitely think he's in captain consideration as well. Did catch all three of the targets thrown his way in week one against the Chargers, and all those targets actually came from Taylor Heineke, so hopefully that Thomas will kind of be a safety valve for him in week two here. Uh, Heineke has not been a guy who started a lot of NFL games, so I don't think it's going to get too crazy on the Washington side of things. That's why I like Antonio Gibson. Expect them to lean on him, and Logan Thomas, like I said, he can run those short intermediate routes, and it might be a safety valve for Heineke. I do like the upside that he has. He has that touchdown upside week in and week out. And from a pass catcher's perspective here from the Washington football team, if you're the Giants defense, your number one goal should be shutting down Terry McLaurin. I think we'll see a lot of James Bradbury, their number one cornerback, play against McLaurin. Another reason why I like Logan Thomas 
on Thursday night. Washington football team defense here, they are expensive, but I think they could have a big day against this Giants offensive line. There's a lot of talent on that defensive line for the Washington football team, including a guy named Chase Young, who could realistically have two sacks himself in this game. Uh, that Giants offensive line, there certainly are some major question marks there. But again, that defense for the Washington football team is pretty damn talented, especially on the defensive line side of things. I think they're going to be able to get after Jones, create pressure, create sacks, and ultimately pressures do lead to turnovers, and we all know that Daniel Jones is not afraid to make mistakes. So I like them, even though they are expensive in a low-scoring game, or at least a projected low-scoring game like we're seeing here with an over-under of 40.5 points. It definitely makes sense to roster a defense in those types of games compared to that that's projected to be a shootout. And then I want to talk about both kickers here, Dustin Hobbs. Hopkins and Graham Gano. Again, the over-under there is 40 and a half points. It wouldn't shock me if we don't see a lot of touchdowns scored in this matchup here, and we see points scored from these kickers. Dustin Hopkins played pretty well in week one against the Chargers. He did miss one field goal, but went three for four and racked up 12 DraftKings points in a low projected slate like this. That's not bad at all. I certainly like the upside there. Graham Gano did not kick a field goal in week one against the Broncos, but he did go 26 for 26 last year within 50 yards. It's nice to have kickers make those 50-yard field goals, get you five DraftKings points there, uh, but good to see the consistency as well. Ultimately, it does kind of come down to game script. If you think this is going to be a lower scoring game, hell, it could be 12 to 15 or 12 to 18 where we see these kickers get quite involved. I'm not saying that that is going to happen, but I'm not expecting a slew of touchdowns to be scored either, which is why I don't mind either kicker from this game. Now, it doesn't sound like Evan Ingram is going to play here once again in week two, which makes Kyle Rudolph the number one tight end for the Giants heading into this matchup. He saw five targets in week one against the Broncos in his first game as a Giant. So just like Kenny Galladay, he has to build a little chemistry there with Dan Daniel Jones, but I love the touchdown upside that this guy has. No, he's probably not going to get you 100 plus receiving yards or have 10 plus targets in this game, but he's certainly a guy who could go for three catches and two touchdowns in the red zone. So that's kind of what I'm baking on here, especially at this price tag of $3,200. He's probably not someone who's going to break the slate, but assuming he does score a touchdown or even two, he very well could end up being in the winning lineup. We then got Devontae Booker there, the backup for Saquon Barkley. I talked about Barkley earlier. I certainly think that Barkley has that upside to just break one for 30 or 40 plus yards, and then you probably will need him in your lineup. Um, but I'm going off a punt play here. You know, with these showdowns, especially if you're playing big tournament GPPs, you need to get a little bit unique. I think you could do that here with Devontae Booker. He's probably not going to rush the ball a whole lot, but if the Giants are playing from behind, that would bode well here for Booker. He did run a route on 14 of Jones' 45 dropbacks in week one. So at least he's running routes. Uh, he didn't really do a whole lot with that in week one, uh, but you just like to see the opportunity there. So again, this is a complete punt play, uh, but assuming that Saquon is limited once again here in week two, uh, again, that would bode well for Devontae Booker. And then the last pick that I got there is Diami Brown, the rookie wide receiver for the Washington football team. You know, I talked about it earlier when I was going through Logan Thomas. I expect the number one cornerback for the Giants, James Bradbury, to play quite a bit against the number one wide receiver for the football 
football team, Terry McLaurin, and honestly wouldn't be shocked if McLaurin sees double coverage throughout this game, which is going to open things up for guys like Diami Brown and Logan Thomas. And Brown here was tied for second in team targets once Heineke got in the game on Sunday for Fitzpatrick, and Brown was actually his top target in the preseason as well, leading the team with six targets. So a little bit of chemistry there between Diami Brown and Taylor Heineke. I really like to see that, especially at this price tag here of $1,400. If he sees five plus targets in this game, he should be able to smash his value. But all right, everyone, that is going to wrap up the video here for today. As always, thank you all for taking the time out of your day to watch these videos. I really do appreciate that. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Like I said, Pat and his team at the Mayo Media Network got football content coming out all week long, Monday through Sunday. You don't want to miss out on any of that. And for those of you who do want to sign up for prize picks, make sure you use code MMN upon sign up for up to a $100 match deposit. Let's have a great day here, folks. Let's win some money on this Thursday night football slate. I'm out of here. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Fantasy Football Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks. I am your girl, stepmom Lauren. That's how you can find me on all the socials. Lauren Carpenter here, and we have a jam-packed episode for you today. We are heading into week two. This is so very exciting. Week one is already in the books. Kind of hard to believe, but we have some injury updates. We also have some streaming options, just in case you might have missed out on those waiver claims, I know it is a bummer every time you wake up and see that notification. And I am also going to answer just a few questions from you, the people. But first, if you have not signed up for prize picks yet, what are you waiting for? Go head on over to prizepicks.com and use the promo code MMN for Mayo Media Network. And, or Mayo Media Net, because that's how you can find us on the socials. But whatever, MMN. Go ahead and sign up. If you use that promo code, you get your deposit matched up to $100. So uh, pretty great. There's lots of fun things that you can do, including the 7-Eleven challenge. That's right. If you missed last week's 7-Eleven challenge entry, that's okay. There are still prizes that you can win each week. And we can just get right into that because the 7-Eleven challenge is super fun. I got four out of five last week correct, as did Pat Mayo. Uh, we both missed on two different players, and we did not get the five out of five, but that is okay. Now, if you're not familiar with the 7-Eleven challenge, it's very easy. You just pick five over-unders. Just make sure they're not for a Monday night game because the contest will be done by the end of Sunday, so make sure they're not Monday night matchups. Pick five over-unders and then change that bet amount to $7.11. That is how Prize Picks will be tracking this every single week. And then you'll see my smiling face on Mondays when I go over some leaderboard stuff, some fun things that have happened. But yeah, it's great. It's a fun game. Let's go ahead and jump right in. I'm going to tell you what my five over-unders are that I have picked out for week two. I do want to do a bit of a disclaimer here. I have a Thursday night player here. Now, I don't necessarily recommend staying away or targeting Thursday night people, but just so that you're aware, if you do have someone in your 7-Eleven challenge on your five over-unders that starts on Thursday, that means the rest of the week is locked in. So you can't make any changes on Sunday if someone, let's say, is questionable or is hurt or whatever. So just make sure that you know that prior to submitting a lineup if you have any players from that Thursday night game, of which I do. So let's get right into it. As you can see, I am 
going with Teddy Bridgewater here, and I'm actually going to bring him up a little bit later in this show, but I am setting him at the over at 249.5 passing yards versus Jacksonville, and the reason why is that he looked very good in week one, so that is promising, but they're playing Jacksonville, and Jacksonville allowed 291 passing yards to Tyrod Taylor. Really? Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and think the safe play for me here is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. I really like this one. The next one I'm doing is Jamin Swinston with the over on one and a half passing touchdowns versus Carolina. He threw five touchdowns last week. So even if he regresses just a little bit, uh, I feel pretty good about that um, sub two touchdowns. That That's all you have to do in order to get the correct over on this one. So I'm smashing the over on one and a half touchdowns. And this is the Thursday night player I have is Antonio Gibson. And this is way too intriguing for me to pass up. But I'm taking the over on Antonio Gibson on one half of a touchdown versus the New York Giants. So I can't stay away from that. Um, If you can and you have another one you'd rather submit, go for it. But I love the over on this for Antonio Gibson. I'm also targeting Allen Robinson. I'm taking the over at 68.5 receiving yards because they're playing the Bengals. So this could be a pretty high-scoring affair if we looked what happened between the Bengals and the Vikings last week that ended up going into overtime, which was a super fun, crazy game. And in that game that Allen Robinson had against the Rams, he still managed to put up 35 receiving yards against that Rams defense, which is, I don't know, really, really good. So I like Allen Robinson here. I know Andy Dalton is still going to be the starter. So I'm doing it. I'm taking the over on Allen Robinson at 68 and a half receiving yards. And last but not least, I'm really sorry. I know this is going to hurt people's feelings, but Michael Pittman, I'm taking the under on 44 and a half receiving yards. I know this may come back to bite me in the tuchus, but if it does, then oh well. This is why we love fantasy. This is educated guessing, everyone. But Wentz seems to be looking for Zach Paschal. And uh, yeah, the Rams defense is really good, like I mentioned before. So I have a feeling that Michael Pittman is going to have a pretty quiet game. So I'm going to take the under on 44 and a half receiving yards for Michael Pittman. Now again, everybody, it's very easy to play this game. All you have to do is pick five over-unders as long as they're not from the Monday night game. Change that bet amount to $7.11 in order for them to be able to track your progress throughout the week. If you haven't signed up for prizepicks.com, again, it's very easy to do. There's a link in the description of this video, or you can go to prizepicks.com and use the promo code MMN to get your deposit of up to $100 matched. It's free money, and there's all sorts of fun things that we come out with every single day on other things, not just the 7-Eleven challenge. So let's have fun with this. I'm so excited that football is here, and it's real football we get to talk about because we are heading into week two. But some of the unexciting things that we have to talk about as well are injury news. Gross, boo, hiss. Nobody likes to talk about injuries. Unfortunately, we do. And if you haven't heard the news yet, Raheem Mostert, who got hurt very early in week one, he tweeted out himself that he is having season-ending knee surgery. At first, this was going to be an eight-week type of deal, but unfortunately, no, this is season-ending for him. So they are the 49ers are likely going to be activating Trey Sermon, who was a healthy scratch, also a head scratcher, if you will, because that was just strange. So I like Elijah Mitchell. If you were able to get him up off of waivers, good for you. And I also like Trey Sermon. So interesting news to uh, keep your mind on when it comes to the 49ers. It's, they're cursed when it comes to injuries. So ugh. 
And uh, the Saints, they have some COVID issues. Um, I think it was six coaches, assistant coaches, not any coordinators, as well as Michael Thomas. They all tested positive for COVID. Um, as far as I know, all the coaches were vaccinated. I'm not sure about Michael Thomas. Um, so they just have a little bit more stringent protocols. This isn't changing anything for the Saints moving forward, but it's just something to be aware of that that's floating around in the atmosphere. Another sad news, Jerry Judy from the wide receiver Broncos. He is on IR with that high ankle sprain. Um, I've heard anywhere from a four weeks to six weeks to eight weeks. So keep your eye on Jerry Judy. I really like Tim Patrick. And then the kind of the home run play here would be KJ Hamler for me. And uh, more sad news. Oh, I'm just depressed now. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he is on IR. Uh, this horrific hip injury that I cannot pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. Popped in and out of place. Uh, he's expected maybe eight weeks. This could be season ending. We don't really know. But if you're rushing to the waiver wire or rushing anywhere at all to pick up Cam Newton, don't. Ron Rivera has already made it very clear that he is happy with Taylor Heineke and he is happy with Kyle Allen as his backup quarterback. So there has been no new developments when it comes to that. Um, he was pretty intense, uh, very you know straightforward when it came to his thoughts on what that was. He's happy with his quarterback room. So no Cam Newton news heading back to his former coach and Ron Rivera for the Washington football team. Now, this is going to be interesting news. Two players I want to bring up. Evan Engram is the tight end for the New York Giants. He is not going to be playing in Thursday's game. He is still dealing with that calf injury that he suffered in the last game of the preseason. And Saquon Barkley is officially listed as questionable. He was limited in walkthroughs. This is a short week. I'm nervous about this. But as far as we know, as of now, recording this show, he is expected to play, and hopefully he gets a little bit more uh, touches, he gets some more snaps, but either way, it's a little little upsetting to start your season if you took the risk on Saquon Barkley. I still like him season long, but just keep your eyes on his status as we head into week two. Also, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is out for week two. He was questionable. They just decided to give him another week of rest, so he is out for the Cleveland Browns. And finally, Rashad Penny, running back for the Seattle Seahawks behind Chris Carson. He's going to be out for about two weeks dealing with a re-aggravated calf injury. So if you do have Rashad Penny, maybe he was like a flex look for you. He's going to be out for two weeks, so keep that in your mind. Pop him over to IR and see if you can, you know, maybe plug somebody else in. And speaking of plugging people in, it is never fun when you have your heart set on a guy, you just do everything you can. You put the fab dollars in. You make sure that you're the first one to put that claim in for a player. And then you wake up on Wednesday morning and you, you know, feverishly check your waiver claims and they were unfortunately unsuccessful. I hate it. It happened to me in most of my leagues. It was pretty junky. But that doesn't mean that the week is over. Nay, first thing you need to do, go and look to see who your teammates dropped in order to pick up some other players that are on the waiver wire. For example, in one of my leagues, somebody dropped Brandon Ayuk. No, I went and snagged him immediately because I believe in Brandon Ayuk. I think week one was just a very strange off game. So that is a really good example. There could be a rage drop. There could be somebody that maybe just doesn't believe in it. Check out who your league mates dropped, first and foremost. And second, 
Let's go ahead and dive into some players that could still be available on your free agency, as it will. And so I'm calling this segment the streamers slash dumpster dives. But first, let's go ahead and go into the quarterback streamers. If you are one of those people that likes to wait on quarterback or stream the position... It's tough, but it's not the end of the world. So there is one name that really stands out to me here, and this is going to be Teddy Bridgewater, like I mentioned in the 7-Eleven Challenge earlier to, in this show. I was going to say earlier today. Technically, it is earlier today, but earlier in this video probably would be the more appropriate phrase to use there. So earlier in this video, so Teddy Bridgewater completed 28 passes on 36 attempts for 264 yards and two touchdowns with zero interceptions. That was in his week one. Okay, now we're going to look at who he's playing this week. Like I said, it's Jacksonville, who literally made Tyrod Taylor look like the second coming of, like, Tom Brady. I'm being exaggerating there, or I'm being sarcastic, I should say, and exaggerating, but you know what I mean. So... Tyrod Taylor was able to throw for nearly 300 yards. It was 291 yards. So I like this a lot. I think that Teddy Bridgewater can be productive for you in fantasy. So if you need someone that you need to, maybe you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe you stream the position, whatever, pick up Teddy Bridgewater. He's rostered in roughly 14% of leagues. So he is still widely available if you need someone to plug in for that position. And speaking of Tyrod Taylor, he is also another quarterback that I am interested in taking a look at. He did have 40 rushing yards as well in week one, which was pretty interesting. Um, But they are facing Cleveland. And uh, they went into a shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I understand the Chiefs offense is not nearly the same thing as the, you know, Houston offense or the Cleveland offense, and it's going to be a little bit different. But Tyrod Taylor still held his own. He is only 7% rostered. So he is a guy, if you are desperate and you need someone to plug in who should be productive for you, look no further than Teddy Bridgewater. And if you're super desperate, try Tyrod Taylor. Again, only 7% rostered. 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 Only 7% rostered like the Rastafarians. I don't know if he does that, likely not, or he would be suspended, but you know, hey, you do you. So the other position that we, some people like to stream in fantasy football is the tight end position. Now I'm warning you, tight end positions are gross. Streaming the position is hard. And the waiver wire landscape when it comes to tight ends is usually the equivalent of a dumpster fire. So just have that knowledge going into it. But there are at least two names that you can look at. One of them is likely rostered. He's at 31% roster, quote, ownership, if you will. And this is Jawan Johnson. He is the wide receiver slash tight end because he was, you know, a converted wide receiver to tight end for the New Orleans Saints. He only saw 12 offensive snaps, but Jameis Winston found him twice in the end zone and he was incredibly productive. Jameis Winston also sang his praises. So that to me says chemistry. That to me says trust. And uh, Jameis Winston is really trying to revamp his career, redo his identity, and he doesn't want to be that 30 for 30 guy. So I think he may be looking for Jawan Johnson a lot more than people may be giving that credit for because I've heard a lot of fluky terms running around there. I don't believe that. I think Jawan Johnson can get involved. It could be more boom or bust, so be aware of that. Again, that is 31% rostered, so may not be available, but check it out. But for the Dallas Cowboys... The big player was of Blake Jarwin. I just I I thought of it in my head and then I got sad a little bit, but he suffered a season-ending injury last year and Blake Jarwin was the hotness coming into 2020. Unfortunately, he has now been usurped by the other tight end in Dalton Schultz who is only 2% rostered. Now, if you are desperate, which is what this is about, is getting a warm body that can produce for you. Dalton Schultz 
has that opportunity. Now, his ceiling is not incredibly high because there is oh, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, there's Ezekiel Elliott, but he still has those targets. And actually, he was targeted six times and caught all six passes. So it is possible he could find the end zone. I'm not sure, but at least you can get some points if you are desperate to plug somebody in at tight end. Again, Dalton Schultz, tight end for the Dallas Cowboys at 2% rostered. So let's go ahead and do defenses, which I know is very popular. I prescribe to this. I, I, I encourage it. Stream your defenses, my friends. Stream, stream, stream. Don't just stick with one and forget about it because there are some juicy matchups each week that you can switch those defenses out for. And you want to have a revenge game. You want to have a get-right game. Look no further than the Green Bay Packers. Yes, stinky. It was a terrible game against the Saints. They were embarrassed horribly embarrassed they had to eat a lot of crow after that game but they're playing the lions everybody so if you want to get right game on both offense and defense it's the lions that you want to play in the following week so i really like the green bay packers they are about 30 percent rostered so they should be available or could be available excuse me but the team that will most likely be available is going to be the Bengals. it's gross again but I like the matchup so if you're into kind of taking that risk and streaming that for some high upside from your defense special teams the Bengals are only one percent rostered you know and it's just all right so let me tell you why they're playing the Bears even as I'm saying it it's really hard for me to say it so if you don't trust me on the Bengals I 100% understand because I kind of don't trust myself here but I'm looking at the matchup strictly okay The Bears' offensive line is catastrophically bad, and Andy Dalton is the starter right now for the Bears, okay? So there is some opportunity for the Bengals' defense to be able to step up and get some sacks and get some turnovers, and that is what is going to score you some points with your defense special team. So if you're in deeper leagues, it's kind of a desert out there when it comes to your defense special teams. You may want to try and go for the Bengals, take some stomach medicine and hold your nose and maybe not watch the game and just pray and hope for the best. But Bengals, 1% rostered. They are a viable streaming option in week two. I, I still don't I still don't love it, but it is, again, desperate times. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And speaking of desperate times, let's go ahead and jump right in from our streamers to our dumpster dive options. And again, if you missed out on your guys from your waiver selections, I am sorry. The pain is real. The struggle is real. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise. However, I'm here to give you some options that could be available in free agency that you can pick up and plug in for week two if you are in need for those positional players. First and foremost... Kenny Gainwell, running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mentioned him in the waiver wire episode earlier. He is still only 26% rostered. He's under that 30% mark, which I like. Um, And I kind of feel it a little insulting calling Kenny Gainwell a a dumpster dive because I don't think he is. Um, And he's one of those I think you can pick up and stash in case something happens to Miles Sanders. So they're playing San Francisco. He could be an intriguing flex play, but I I do like the ability to have Kenny Gainwell there. Another one that I think is a little bit less exciting is going to be Carlos Hyde, but he's more readily available. He's about 18% rostered. He is the RB2, if you will, I guess, for the Jacksonville Jaguars under this super now confusing situation with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. I don't like it at all, but he seems to be productive, much to the heartbreak of James Robinson managers. 
Again, he is a guy that you can pick up, play, and he should be getting you points. Um, again, I don't love that one. Out of the two, I would rather have Kenny Gainwell if it comes down to both of those options. So let's move on to the wide receiver position. Now, there are a lot of options, but in order for me to not make this video uh, three days long, I'm just going to stick with two wide receivers that I think that you should be targeting that are under 10% rostered. And the first one is Gabriel Davis, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Buffalo Bills did not have have a great showing against the Steelers. Uh, Josh Allen really wasn't on his game. He was missing passes. But Gabriel Davis was targeted, I think, five or six times. He only got two receptions out of it. But that doesn't necessarily matter once... Josh Allen gets his head right, which I think he will in week two. I like Gabriel Davis as a deep play. He can His ceiling is very high. His floor is also very low. He's one of those boom-bust guys, but I really like having Gabriel Davis on my squad just in case I need to plug somebody in because he his ceiling is, is, is very high, and I, and I really, really like that when it comes to fantasy. When you're looking for home run hitters, look no further than Gabriel Davis. And the other one, a little bit more on the safety side here, I am still plugging away for Zach Pascal. I know we only have one week in the books with the Indianapolis Colts and with Carson Wentz, but again, that's why I chose Michael Pittman as my under, is because Zach Pascal seems to be that security blanket for Carson Wentz. And he looked at him, and he looked at him in the end zone. So if you don't have Zach Pascal and you have some room, he's going to be a little bit more safer option with a high ceiling as well. So those two wide receivers, again, Zach Pascal, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts, 8% rostered, also 8% rostered as Gabriel Davis, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. I like both of those wide receivers a lot. Again, if I had to, sorry, just smack the microphone. I was so excited. I'm breaking things. If I had to have my druthers here on which one I have, if I have a need on my bench that I really need some big heavy hitters, a little bit risky, but can give me that big ceiling, I would go Gabriel Davis. For a little bit more safety, I might lean Zach Pascal. So Zach Pascal, excuse me. So again, I like both of them, kind of hard to choose. So if they are available, I would recommend scooping them up, and I believe both of them are starters this week and week two if you need someone to fill in for week two. A warm body in that position group. Let's say you lost Jerry Judy, but you didn't get your waiver claims on Tim Patrick, or you didn't get them on KJ Hamler, or anybody else. Who knows? Try it. I'm actually doing that. So if you do, we can lament together if it all goes wrong. And if it all goes right, we can celebrate together. That is the joy of fantasy football. And always remember, when you're looking at your lineups, when you're looking at people on the waiver wire, take in as much information as you possibly can. Make sure that you are up to date on any kind of injury status, any kind of COVID, anything. Make sure you are aware of what is going on in the situation. But first and foremost, and most importantly, always go with your gut. It is something I will be harping on for the rest of the season because your mind is trying to tell you you've learned some subconscious things over the week. And even though they may not be at the forefront of your mind, that's what your gut is trying to do is help you make connections to things that you may not immediately notice. So always go with your gut. And then before we finish this video, let's hop right into a couple of questions that we have from you, the people. And the first one comes from Colin on YouTube. Colin A, how are you, my friend? But what should you do with Brandon Ayuk? Keep or trade? Okay, I, I need to unpack a few things here. Uh, first of all, keep Brandon Ayuk. Don't trade him. I honestly believe that he is going to have a very successful season. If you don't believe he's going to have a successful season, wait to trade him, everybody. I cannot stress this enough. When you have a player that you just don't know what to do with, you don't have faith in them, 
keep them on your bench until they have a huge blow-up game, and then you trade them away. If you try to trade Brandon Ayuk now, you are likely to get him at his, but anything you get back from him is going to be at the lowest value. You want to trade him away when he is at his highest value so you can get the best player in return. Otherwise, you're going to be settling for something else. Do you see what I mean? So whenever it comes to trade, remember the stock market, buy low, sell high. Do not trade Brandon Ayuk right now. If you want to trade him, wait until he has a good game. I recommend hanging on to him. So I, I firmly believe in Brandon Ayuk, and I think week one was a fluke, and week one is always very, very strange. All right, Steven from Twitter. Hi, Steven. Uh, Saquon Barkley or Elijah Mitchell? This is just from Steven, but I can't even count on my hands and toes and whatever how many questions I have gotten about Saquon Barkley and Elijah Mitchell the start sit between the two of them. This is frustrating because Saquon Barkley is questionable. He is playing on Thursday, and that means that your spot for that running back is then done. So if Saquon Barkley blows up on your bench, are you going to be upset about it? And if Saquon Barkley does nothing but you took the risk and started him, how upset are you going to be? This is going to be a question of how... Sad, do you want to be either benching or starting Saquon Barkley? I believe that he is going to be seeing a few more touches. He kind of has to. It's Daniel Jones against a very good Washington defense. So it's it's not great. The matchup doesn't look good, but it is very difficult for me to sit someone like Saquon Barkley. On the other hand, I know Elijah Mitchell just had an amazing game. That was because Raheem Mostert got hurt early and Kyle Shanahan did not have any time to make a game plan around his multiple Kyle Shanahanigans, as we like to call them. They recently signed Trenton Cannon, who was released by the Baltimore Ravens. They have signed him, Trenton Cannon, I should say, to the 49ers practice squad. They also put Trey Lance as a healthy scratch. Uh, Trey Lance, excuse me, Trey Sermon. If I said Trey Lance before, I'm really sorry. I do that all the time. Trey Sermon, excuse me, was a healthy scratch. And to me, this is nerve-wracking because, yes, I believe that you should have picked up Eli or Elijah Mitchell 100%. But this is where it gets a little annoying is when do you start him and when do you start Trey Sermon. I feel you can start Trey Sermon, feel okay about that, but I think that this might be more of a Trey Sermon game than it will be an Elijah Mitchell game because now defenses have seen what Elijah Mitchell can do and they have not been able to see what Trey Sermon can do. So I like Elijah Mitchell, but I don't know if I would start him over Saquon Barkley. That is really hard. But again, I'm going to say this, and I'm sorry if I sound too repetitive. Steven, go with your gut on this. Another Elijah Mitchell question we have here from Sarah on Twitter. Antonio Gibson or Elijah Mitchell? Very similar kind of situation we have with a Thursday night game. I am without hesitation going to tell you go with Antonio Gibson. Uh, That's one of the reasons I have him on my 7-11 challenge. Even though my lineup is already locked in, I feel very confident about his chances to have fantasy success against the Giants. If you can find a way to get Elijah Mitchell in your flex without sacrificing any kind of points, maybe try doing that. But if this is just going to be a straight start or sit between the two of them, I am going to start Antonio Gibson over Elijah Mitchell. That does not mean I'm going to be sitting Elijah Mitchell for the rest of the season. Don't worry. But I think in this case, uh, Saquon and Antonio Gibson both over Elijah Mitchell. And that's, again, I keep hitting the microphone. Y'all, I mean, these questions just have made me spin 
my dome here, but that is great because I like that. And hopefully I don't hit the microphone again, but that's all you have for me after I get done breaking things. At least my camera hasn't gone out yet. But don't forget, make sure if you haven't already, please like this video if you enjoyed yourself as much as I did breaking my microphone and rambling on about week two, which is so exciting. And don't forget, please subscribe and turn on the notifications for Mayo Media Net because we have so much content that comes out every single day. Like we have another video from Griffin Swanson all about the Thursday night football, everything, the breakdown, the prize picks. Picks and bets, this is what we do for you every single day. So make sure you are following us on Twitter at MayoMedianet. Please subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any of that. You guys can also follow me on social media at StepmomLauren. You can also find my work at StepmomLauren.com. Everybody, don't forget to set your 7-Eleven challenge, five over-under picks. Set the bet for $7.11. Don't put any Monday night games in there, otherwise it won't count. You will see my smiling face. On Sunday, and then you'll also see me on Monday going over that 7-Eleven leaderboard. Good luck in week two, everybody. Oh, it's fantasy football season, baby. If we want to cry together, I'm totally cool with that, too. Good luck. Yeah!